Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Tuesday, November 1st. Hope you got your fill of candy, all the Halloween fun last night. Shout out to you people out there because it's time to get back to serious business. And it is the moment every week where we tackle the waiver wire with our very own Viscount of Value, Andy Barons. <laughs> Andy, what's going on, pal? Uh, things are good. Things are good. I, I actually looked up the hierarchy of nobility uh, earlier before the pod just so I knew where this would fall. And it is it is apparently between an earl and a baron. I believe I've already been both an earl and a baron. So <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see if I I mean this isn't this isn't rock bottom. This is not the floor no. of the of the nobility hierarchy. So it's not I, I've been better, I've been worse. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You've definitely been worse. You've definitely been better, but that's fine. This is a very moving target. It is not a, a linear progression <laughs> upwards for you, but it's also not a linear progression downwards. Okay. Right. So we're just going to keep it moving. Um, you're still royalty. Okay. We haven't like made you the plebe of the pickups yet. So that, you know, maybe that's like the end of the season <laughs> when the waiver wire is absolutely bare. But as I said, we have serious business to get into today. Um, let's jump into the news before we recap Sunday Night Football and do the waivers. Uh, let's start with this note that we got just before this podcast kicked off. Um, John Harbaugh said that Rashad Bateman, uh, who has a foot injury, will miss a few weeks. Um, I, I think this obviously is a bummer. Bateman's season has been a bit of a bummer because of this foot injury. Um, but this probably, Andy, is probably the right call um, because... Clearly, I mean, he got hurt midway through week four. I, I did I did the thing which I shouldn't have done, Andy, before we got on here. I was engaging with like, oh, what a you know, what a disappointing pick this year. It's like, yep, sorry, it, yeah. forgot yeah, forgot to forgot to plug the injury predictor. And you know, he's been hurt since midway through week four. I can remember the play he got hurt on um specifically. And it's been clear he's been out and then back in, probably shouldn't have been playing. So this is probably best long term, but it is a bummer for Bateman's season. This happens every year. Um, I believe that we talked about it with respect to Antonio Gibson last year with all sorts of injured players. I mean, there's there's so many people within within the fantasy space who will acknowledge that a guy has played through injury 
and yet still not account for it like later in the season yeah. when they talk about what a disappointment he is um like again uh, antonio gibson is probably going to be my favorite example for a while because he literally played played on a broken leg and fantasy managers were like oh i'm just he's killing me i'm just not getting what i thought i would from gibson this guy you know and yeah. It's, it's kind of been the Bateman story too, right? Like he's obviously been hobbled. Um, it is certainly for the best that he rests for a handful of weeks. Um, and it's it's hard to, you know, just spinning this forward a little bit, it's hard to separate this from, you know, what, what will be later in the show, a recommendation to perhaps add Isaiah Likely, who like saved him, um, absolutely yeah. saved them. In, uh, in week eight, he was great, right? Like he was, uh, Andrews checks out, Bateman checks out. Gus Edwards no longer on the field and they have like one dynamic playmaker and it's their, it's their second tight end. Um, but he just absolutely looked great, carried him, you know, uh, scored a, scored a hugely important touchdown. He was a, he was an absolute star of the preseason. So I, normally we don't look to, you know, a, a, a down the depth chart tight end when a wide receiver goes out, but, you know, assuming that Baltimore doesn't make a trade, which of course could still happen as we speak, um, you know, likely looks like the second most dangerous uh, player on that team in the receiving core anyway, behind Andrews. Yeah, this podcast feels destined um, for like a I'm sticking a, a breaking news item before <laughs> before all of this, uh, because the trade deadline obviously is uh, today when you're listening to this, but tomorrow while we're taping this. So I, something's going to probably happen that will make this, you know, make some of this outdated or whatever. But um, yeah, the, the Ravens can certainly make a trade. But I, I like that you brought up likely we'll talk about him more later on in the show. But, you know, for the Ravens offense, and I think this obviously trickles down to Lamar Jackson, too. It is just so apparent watching that team that, you know, Isaiah likely good fill in tight end, um, you know, Devin Duvernay, I think has looked really good as like a mm -hmm. gadgety, create a touch, like speed slot receiver, uh, somewhere in the middle between those two archetypes. But my God, part of the reason that, you know, I, me and so many other folks got excited about Rashad Bateman this year is that they absolutely need a legitimate outside receiver who can beat press coverage, who can win at all levels. And I still think Bateman is that guy when he is healthy, but man, like if they don't trade for somebody, it's just hard to see this offense firing at all cylinders with a Demarcus Robinson um, or Tylen Wallace having to fill in for that role. Yeah. Although Robinson played pretty well against a banged up secondary in Tampa Bay. So um, Bateman's season has been a bummer. And I, I still think maybe they, they should make a move for somebody, even if it's like a, maybe they're the, the Odell Beckham mercenary team at the end of the season. Right. Uh, you know, that that's certainly a possibility because he can still beat man coverage as well. And there's, you know, this is not a problem that can be fixed with like a 45 year old Deshaun Jackson either. Right. No, so I, if there's if there's any excitement about him, it is uh, that 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 is inappropriate. <laughs> I think he, I think he could make a difference for the real life Ravens, but certainly not for for fantasy yeah. and like very much on like a, a super, super small snap count. What just one last thing on this. And again, this is only because I got myself riled up on Twitter, which I, you know, slap myself on the hand i know better than to do that but and, and and you did it right before the pot too that's amazing stupid stupid rookie rookie mistake okay <laughs> uh, i shouldn't come in here with twitter beef okay that is a rookie mistake but if this season hasn't told you like betting like oh he's never healthy the, the, the betting on that like betting on predicting injury if this season of all seasons when saquon barkley the guy who tweeted that to me by the way literally had saquon barkley in his avatar which you know i'm sorry if you listen but come on like <laughs> for real uh, you know, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, all these dudes, like if that hasn't told you that's the worst bet you can make, I don't know yeah. what to tell you, but we should move on. We should definitely move on from my Twitter beefs. I'm not trying to do that on this show. Speaking of injuries, though, 
NFL Network's Ian Rapport reports that Cooper Cup is day-to-day after suffering a sprained ankle in Week 8 against the San Francisco 49ers. Good news, Andy, because, my God, we do not need to be losing Cooper Cup out here. Right. How about it? Um, Cup himself said, I believe that he dodged a bullet, um, which is a really good thing. Obviously, was able to walk off. Um, so there's there's no he's also one of these, you know, I he took a handful of questions this week on Twitter um, asking for my thoughts on how to replace Jamar Chase. And like the answer is you can't replace some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you can like unless you're going to unless you're going to blow up the roster and trade for, I don't know, Stephon Diggs or Justin Jefferson. Like there's a certain level of player that you just can't, you know, if. if if they sit, you're, you're just going to score a little bit less, right? Like there's no yeah. direct replacement for him. Um, Cup, Cup is such a player, you know, the highest floor at his position and probably the highest ceiling as well. Uh, so good, very good news here. Uh, certainly good news for the Rams. Uh, good news for anybody who's tied to Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the Rams receivers are actually probably, they're going to get a lot of attention because, you know, it just is what it is. But I feel like their receiver core is actually the one of the least of their problems offensively right, right now. Um, as long as Cooper Cup is healthy, uh, certainly. Like, I think Ben Skoranek is a decent fill-in player. It's nice to have Van Jefferson back, even if he didn't, you know, do anything in the box score. And I think Robinson is kind of, like Scott said it perfectly yesterday, that now like a five for 54 game is like, wow, that was a really encouraging sign for Allen Robinson. But <laughs> like, he's playing better. He's integrated in the offense, whatever. But they've got so many other problems that go beyond the receiver core that they yeah. certainly cannot afford a Cooper Cup absence. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, it's just because we haven't talked about Kadarius Tony. And, you know, this is like a passing news line, whatever. But Chiefs head coach Andy Reid said, quote, it will be a gradual process when asked about working Kadarius Tony into the offense. Um, I, I talked about this with Frank Schwab. I talked about this with Scott on the preview podcast last week. The news broke uh, before that show. But I'm curious what your thoughts and expectations are for Kadarius Tony the rest of the way. I was really surprised to see, um, you know, like he's not even eligible for conversation in the in the waiver wire show, right? Like we can't even talk about him because he vaulted from, I don't know what it was, like 15% roster, 20% roster. Like something, yeah. And then and then exploded with like something like 400,000 ads, 400,000 plus ads, like the day that the trade happened. And like I get it in that his best moments last season were uh, I don't know. We didn't see it from very many other players like he he moved differently. He was absolutely electric on the field for the Giants has clearly not been available to them. Among the issues with Kadarius Tony, though, like Brian Dable didn't even want to play him like like a really good head coach that we all respect, great play caller, all that, did not want to play Kadarius Tony. Um, didn't necessarily want him on the roster at the start of the season. So yeah. my my expectations are very low. And I was just, I, I, I get it, he's a great athlete and all that, and it's the Chiefs and we really like the Chiefs. But there are some, there are some pretty dynamic players, some guys that we'll talk about in the show. There are some pretty dynamic receivers that are already on that team. Um, that are well integrated into the offense, that have well-established roles that we are not as enthusiastic about as we are with Tony, who clearly is is going to need some time to ramp up, right? Like hasn't been practicing the severity of whatever injuries he's had, uh, notwithstanding, like he has not been practicing. And now he's got he's got a new playbook to learn. Um, he's got he's got new everything. Um, it's a great situation. But the idea that Kadarius Tony, they're just going to have this package of plays for him and he's going to erupt, you know, at any point in November seems like, I don't know, it's kind of wishful thinking to me. Um, there, there are still some very good players in this offense and Patrick Mahomes more or less knows where they're going to be. Yeah, I think there is a lot 
to unpack. And, you know, people talk about like he's had one good game. And, you know, if anybody's going to tell you that a receiver should not be just defined by the box score, I, I'm going to be that guy, right? I will literally tell you that, but for, for so many players. But, I mean, I think Kadarius Tony literally has had one good game. Like, that game yeah. against the, the Cowboys, like, I'm talking stringing from start to finish consistently, playing extremely well throughout. It was that is it was that one game, and it was about as bright as you could shine, but there's still a lot of holes from the player there, too. Like, I think because fantasy Twitter just has a misconstrued idea about who this player is, and I, look, I was in on drafting Tony before all the injuries and stuff this year because like he was should have moonwalked into, which is a little strange that he yes. didn't, but should have moonwalked into a wide receiver one role for this team. And offense, it has been very good. But I just think like we're, we're acting as if they traded for an already established starting player. And Tony yeah. is not that he's a talented player. But like you, we're going to talk about these other guys on the roster, you know, um, they've got MVS who's you know, whatever at McCole Hardman, who's whatever Juju, who is good, but I think probably a wide receiver two at best, but those guys have all played decently well within the construct of an offense has played really well. So I agree with you. Like, I don't know. They're just going to be tra- like, you know, just parting the seas for Tony to get in there. <laughs> yeah. a compl- Like it's a completely reasonable flyer for Kansas city to take. I get it, but they yeah. can certainly afford to, to take their time developing, developing a player who clearly needs to be developed. It is just not a plug and play situation, which is, you know, normally when you see a guy added at the at the rate that he was added, um, you'd like to think that he's somebody that you can actually use sometime soon. And I just don't I just don't see that necessarily on the horizon. Yeah, we could be talking about him as a guy that we are telling you to drop like in the next. Right. Yeah, in the next like three weeks or something like that. Uh, Yeah, I was was going to like I was going to pre-write a Kadarius Tony blurb when this trade happened because I thought, oh, this is interesting. And maybe by December, he'll be a thing. Um, and then, and then like within 90 minutes, uh, his roster percentage was, it was like 55 or 60 or something like that. And he was, yeah, had to scrap that. It's almost the other end. Uh, yeah, very, very interesting there. Uh, we did get a Ravens trade in the middle of the podcast, Andy Roquan Smith traded to the Ravens. Your bears have traded Roquan Smith to the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I, I accept that the Bears are acknowledging that they are not a particularly competitive team, uh, <laughs> you know, despite some regrettable early wins. Uh, I get it. I totally get it. I, I love Roquan, though. Um, I, don't, I don't know how much like Quinn had left necessarily, but I really like Roquan. So that's a that's a that's a blow. The Bears already bad defense gets a little bit worse. Yeah, it's a shame because uh, he's a good player, but I understand like what the deal is. I don't see the trade compensation or anything just yet, but was looking for a uh, Ravens trade. Everybody on fantasy Twitter is like Brandon Cooks. Let's let's get him. Let's get him <laughs> to Baltimore. And again, maybe he is by the time we record, we finish with this podcast. But for now, it's a very Ravens thing. Like, oh, man, they're down bad at wide receiver. Let's get him. Let's get a middle linebacker in here. OK, yes, that's what right. we really need. Very, very Ravens thing to do. Um, all right. Next thing up and last thing up here. And, you know, we could be quick on this because who cares? Apparently, Irv Smith suffered a high ankle sprain in the week eight a win over the Arizona Cardinals. Irv Smith week was uh, not great. Like, you know, there's, there feels like there's <laughs> one Irv Smith week on fantasy Twitter. Um, and I get it. It was the Cardinals. But, you know, the Johnny Munn. Yeah. Former Rams uh, tight end, now with Kevin O'Connell there in Minnesota, he catches a tight end, and Irv Smith suffers a high ankle sprain. The only reason I wanted to talk about this is because people are obviously always hurting for tight end, but also like 
it feels like the Vikings are a sneaky team that could add a little bit of something um, at some point this year because I think their offense has been good, but like just a little more meat on the bone than I would like. Yeah, no question. It's a, it's a, yeah, it, they are probably going to be a disappointment if you're a Vikings fan and they don't go out and, and patch some holes because they are, uh, they are extremely competitive right now. Obviously this is a, this is a loss, but obviously not a catastrophic loss. And Irv Smith in fantasy terms is just this sort of tight end that it, if he gets, I like, I hate to say it, but if he gets hurt, you just move on because there are, there are a bunch of guys sort of in the Irv Smith bin of uh touchdown dependency, right? Like that's just, I don't know. We we've got some names at tight end and I feel like some guys have pretty clearly emerged over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. There's a little bit of something there. All right, let's recap Sunday night football. Bills 27, Packers 17. You know, it's funny with Buffalo, man, from probably quarter one to quarter two is like, oh boy, they're just going to blow the doors off this Packers team. And then (laughs) it's like, almost felt like they were just experimenting in the second half with like, oh, can we get away with this? Some just bad plays by Josh Allen that ended up in interceptions. Um, You know, and long story short, though, they still win. (laughs) They still win by double digits against a Packers team that has Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, they win by double digits in as sloppy a game as they have played, right? Um, not not much was impressive on the Buffalo side, and it still felt like they cruised. And that says a lot about where the Packers are at. Certainly says uh, something about where the, the Bills are at. Uh, fantasy takeaways from this thing, the first thing that comes to mind, and maybe this is not like at the front of everybody's mind, but if you play in deep leagues, it is. Any Khalil Shakir takeover that you might have uh, uh, planned on did not happen. He basically played his normal snaps just barely yeah. on the field. Isaiah McKenzie was out there for a little bit over 50% of the snaps, I think. Not like he wasn't he wasn't super heavily involved, but did find the end zone. Um, but the Shakir thing that, you know, I'd made a, a handful of speculative ads in a couple of places because McKenzie was so bad before Buffalo's mm-hmm. by and it didn't matter. He's he still did it, the usual Isaiah McKenzie thing. Yeah, route on 53.3% of the dropbacks for Isaiah McKenzie, 36.7 for Khalil Shakir. Uh, that is probably not switching up. And I mean, it was the usual the usual Isaiah McKenzie thing. There was one like play where, you know, he ran backwards. It's like, oh. man, this this is not a kick return. This is <laughs> this is yeah, a, right. This is an offensive play, okay? Uh, so he's still a little that, bit that of a That sort of thing is player. really exciting when like Tyreek Hill does it, right? Because he does it almost every time he yeah. touches the football. He takes like two yeah. quick steps back, but it is a really bad idea for almost anyone else. A hundred percent. Yeah, not not a great idea. Um you know, on the Bills side of things elsewhere, Stefan Diggs just I mean, so good. Like there this this unit or this connection has now like launched itself to its graduate level. Like there, or maybe (laughs) even they're in the doctorate level now where they've always been great. But now these two are just so psychotically on the same page where they're just two peak talents, like intersecting right at the height of their powers. And it's beautiful to see. Um, So that's great. You know, Stefan Diggs is awesome. I love to celebrate Stefan Diggs awesomeness. So I'm going to take any chance I can. And I just took that chance right now. Um, Gabe Davis, though, had like his bottom game, you know, two catches, 30 plus yards, whatever. Those are going to happen. Okay, like you have to live with that, I guess, with Gabe Davis. And had a had a near touchdown, like had an opportunity at the back of the end zone with a ball that he didn't that he didn't pull in with his feet inbounds. But it was like inches away. Right. So um, you still had the deep shots. You still had the normal Gabe Davis usage. 
Um, so that was a pretty typical, like that was, that is definitely within the range of outcomes for Gabe Davis. And, and you spoke about this in the preseason because everybody focused on, you know, the monster playoff performance that he had against Kansas city, the four touchdowns, the 200 yards. Um, but like his final game of the regular season was also a zillion targets. Um, was it like 30 yards, um, two catches, something like that. Right. Like he's, he is a, he is a wide range of outcomes player. And some of that is just the nature of the targets that he sees, right? A lot of downfield stuff, a lot of intermediate stuff. It's not, you know, he doesn't get a lot of layups. No. Yeah, definitely not. It's just, that's the player he is. That's where he wins is down the field. Like he's not going to mm-hmm. be doing all like the, the curls and the comebacks and stuff like that. Um, but they did get him a little bit more like some opportunities in the open field, which is nice to see. Cause I do think like big guy like that run after the catch. That's nice. Um, Packer side of it. It was unsurprising, but still striking to see them like running the Arthur Smith offense in the third quarter at times where it's like, (laughs) man, they're trying to punch their way back into their game and they are trying to do it with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Again, not surprising considering this is a bad receiver core and is now banged up. But my God, man, I mean, it, it was it was a little striking to see, but good game from Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I mean, he didn't do much for you in fantasy, but it was like, all right, he played well, at least. Yeah, it was much better usage off of what was it like a like a four touch game um, previously. So better use. I mean, their two best skill players right now are Jones and Dylan. And I don't like and I think that's the end of the tier. And then there's a drop down to whatever you consider Romeo Dobbs, right? Like that that Maybe receiving core is just bad. I mean, it's just bad. Like they're they're throwing a Romeo Dobbs and they're trotting out Sammy Watkins and um Bob Tunyon is getting his usual 30 some yards. Um, it's, it's, it's real. They don't have answers. Um, they are another team who, by the time this podcast actually drops, maybe they will have finally dealt for a receiver. They've certainly had opportunities over the last couple of years, uh, while, while still needing to find answers at the position, they haven't done it. So I guess at this point I would be surprised if they, if they made a splashy move for a receiver. Um, because they've they've known it was they've absolutely known that it, it's been an issue for a long time. Yeah, that that struck me at the end of the game. A couple of things that Collinsworth and Tariko kind of kept harping on. One was like, oh, Sammy Watkins has just not gotten open in this game. It's like, yeah, Sammy Watkins hasn't gotten open since about 2015. Like <laughs> at least at least consistently. Like he's had big yeah. games and stuff like that, but he's been one of the most inconsistent route runners in the NFL since since his big 2015 season. That was about it. Um, but that's the Sammy Watkins show. And like, it kind of was annoying me a little bit that the, the commentators kept saying like, Oh man, Rogers just like having to feed these guys the plays and the two minute drill. Like they haven't spent a lot of time together. It's like, but they, they planned on walking into this season with Sammy Watkins and Romeo Dobbs as their primary outside receivers. Like I know that Randall Cobb is hurt. I know that Alan Lazard is hurt. Um, but you know, and this guy, Samari Torre, who, I had he's caught one pass before this and it was like wow this is the first guy that's been on the same page with Rodgers when he like freelance like improvs in the pocket and stuff like that that's a little bit concerning but yeah it's just this is the group this is the bet they made and like I kind of feel like they're just going to end up lying in it yeah I mean Sammy Watkins has been in the league since 2014 he's been in the league forever right so like like there shouldn't I don't know Sammy Watkins should know where to be on a football field he's just he, he, I mean, he's cooked. I don't, I don't, I don't have another, I don't have another, I don't have another word for him. Um, he's, he should not be in anyone's fantasy plans. I thought the, the Dobbs catch for a touchdown was fantastic. 
uh, great, great play. Um, not a lot of, not a lot of separation on it, right? Like he's not, he no, doesn't seem to guy. be an elite separator at all. Um, no, but it was a great no. play. It was a great, you know, uh, you want to talk about body control. You want to talk about good hands. Like it was, it was really nice. Like that kid has promise. I, I wouldn't give up on, uh, on Christian Watson, but really unfortunate injury there. Hasn't been able to stay healthy this season. Um, but it's, but it, I mean, we're in November now and it's, it's, pretty clearly not going to really happen for Christian Watson this season. So if they don't, if they don't make a move, I mean, they're throwing to the running backs and they're throwing to Dobbs. Yeah. Dobbs still ran a route on 90.9% of his dropbacks, despite everybody kind of thinking he was going to be the guy that Aaron Rodgers is talking about on the McAfee show, like needs to get his reps cut, stuff like that. Um, and then he was also lined up in the slot or on 50% of his snaps. Like that was encouraging to see. Cause I agree with you. He's not like a, like he probably should not be a legit X receiver because he's yeah, not really that yeah. like separation based guy, but ain't nobody else on this roster going to be the X receiver. I mean, Amari Rogers, who man, that guy has been a, a big, big disappointment. If you had, if you had any hopes for him coming into the, the, the league and he was, he was like primarily outside receivers. So it's like, yeah, let's get our best guy, which unfortunately is a fourth round rookie in Romeo Dobbs. Like let's get him <laughs> some slot snaps and stuff like that. So I think he's still like, I bet I'm sure he got dropped a lot like last week and stuff. Uh, he's probably, yep. we'll, we'll talk about him later in the wide receiver section. So I won't go too much farther into that, but yeah, he's definitely still on the radar and the only like consistent player uh, in this offense. But man, I mean, it's just, it is, it's just striking watching the Packers offense in this current form. Cause it's just such a disaster. And the, and we haven't even mentioned the pass protection, right? Which is, you know, probably far and away their biggest problem. Yeah. Like these receivers are one thing, but this, this pass the pass protection unit, that's, that's a huge issue. Um, and we've seen Aaron Rodgers overcome that in the past, but he's always overcome it with, you know, uh, veteran dependable receivers that he is completely, you know, mind meld with. Right. Um, and, one of and which trying... happened to be the best player at the position. Like it's, yes. it's always <laughs> worth coming back to that. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, and, and this is something that I brought up um, after the Packers win early in the season over the over the Bears. Um, it like even in that moment and they were, you know, things were going very well for Green Bay then and they hadn't rattled off all these losses. Um, I, I thought that was I don't if I'd been a Packers fan, I would not have been enthusiastic coming out of that game because the previous Bears game, you know, the the prior season last year, um, they they could have just they could have just picked their number. Um, there was nothing the bears could do with Devante. I, I think the Packers ended up with 40 something in that game, but, but the offense that beat them early in the season, you know, uh, w again, the pa Packers, depending on the run quite a bit, the bears running, you know, bears had given up in that game and we're just running the ball like throughout the yeah. entire second half. And the, and the Packers didn't really separate. Um, and they just, this is just the least dynamic pass offense. <laughs> like maybe not, you know, it's not quite in the category of like the bears and the, and Atlanta, but it's not, it's not far from it either. Yeah. It's getting a little too close uh, for comfort. That is for sure. Um, you have any, uh, just last thing before we go to the waivers and non-fantasy related. Do you have any hope that the Packers can win the NFC North now with the, with the gap that the, the Vikings have put on this division? No, not really. I mean, it would it would take a series of catastrophic injuries. I would I would get I mean, if you're a Vikings fan, you're probably like, you know, full of full of <laughs> knocking on wood all the time. Yeah, yeah, you're you're not exactly, <laughs> you know, you, you're you're not overconfident where Rodgers is concerned, I'm sure. But uh, no, I, 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 I think there's enough separation there. And I think the Vikings have proven enough that it should be their division unless, you know, unless something happens with cousins, unless something happens with Jefferson, like it's going to take 
maybe even multiple injuries um, to, to change the tide there. Absolutely. All right. Andy and I are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will run through the week nine waiver ads. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Andy, we're back. Let's get started with running back here. A lot of interesting options, and we're sort of moving towards, um, I know this is a big bye week, but we are sort of kind of moving towards stash season. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's a great point. Um, I am surprised that Alexander Madison is still available to be discussed here. I'm surprised that he is still available in over 50% of, uh, of Yahoo leagues. He's, he's sitting out there around 45% rostered right now. And like, there's nothing that I really even need to say here because we've already experienced what it looks like when Alexander Madison takes over a full workload and it's great, right? Like he can be an RB1. And there's there's really no reason for it. And we know that if anything were to happen to Dalvin Cook, that Madison would basically just be plugged into roughly Cook's touches. Um, he's not exactly Dalvin Cook, but he's close enough that somebody in, honestly, I even think a 10-team league should be stashing him right now. I can't believe that there's not like one of 10 teams that can use a, a lottery ticket like that. And he's about as good a lottery ticket as there as there is at the position. So Madison is somebody who I, I totally understand why he dipped down into the into the 40s in terms of roster percentage uh, during the Vikings bye week. I get it. You can't stash everybody. But like this is one of the prime stashes um, and and he should absolutely be rostered. So for me, he's almost he's almost a separate category of player. The nice thing about him is he's got a little bit of standalone value too. like in a, in a week like this, where we've got six teams on by you can you can flex somebody like Madison. He's not getting a ton of touches, but he found the end zone this past week. Um, good player, doesn't need a lot of touches to have a chance to to have a chance to hit pay dirt. So Madison is probably somebody that I would put separate and apart from the rest of these guys. I guess another another player on the list that right now looks like a stash, and who knows, maybe the maybe the Rams make a deal for a running back. And by the time you're listening to this pod, um, there we we have a totally different spin on the Rams backfield. But Kyron Williams still out there in about 55% of Yahoo leagues. Um, the Rams have somehow already reached the point in their season where they're ready to move on from Daryl Henderson. This is an annual tradition. Um, and they've, they've, they've done it clearly because Henderson, you know, uh, season low in terms of, in terms of snap percentage was running behind, uh, Ronnie rivers, uh, on Sunday who, who did very little of note. Uh, he was a five-year player at Fresno state. <laughs> a really nice college career, but nothing that jumps off the page. I didn't think there was Ronnie Rivers jumped. sounds like a lead singer uh, in like right? a Southern rock band. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> R.I.P. Ronnie Rivers. Can't believe he died in that plane crash back in 79. That was really, <laughs> well, that was really yeah. the end of that band. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So like the Rams are already like just sort of trying out dudes. Um, and, and again, perhaps they'll address the backfield via trade. But if they don't, Kyron Williams... Uh, 
a guy who suffered a high ankle injury in week one uh, and has been on IR uh, has been designated to return. Now, like the injury could bother him all year. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, he he did require surgery. It's not normally the kind of injury where you're like, okay, it's been four weeks. He should be great now. Um, may, maybe it's going to be, maybe there will be a lingering problem. He's not, you know, he's not like Isaiah Pacheco in terms of uh, combine measurements either, right? Like he was a four, six guy, nothing extraordinary in terms of, in terms of physical traits, but such a good football player at Notre Dame made people miss and extracted himself from situations that you did not think he could possibly get out of. He was very good against some of the best defenses that they faced, right? Had a big game against Alabama. Um, He's a, he's a good player and a really capable receiver. 77 catches over his final two seasons. Um, just a just a very good football player. And he should fall into a bunch of touches, again, if the Rams don't make a move at, at running back. It is a little striking that, like, the guys that are supposed to, like, the cavalry that's coming, the reinforcements <laughs> to save the Rams are, like, Van Jefferson, who's a good player, yeah. but, like, a, a number three receiver. Um, Kyron Williams, who, you know, might be a good back, but, is a six round rookie. Um, this guy, Alaric Jackson, who they were really trying to push as like the future left tackle through the media this week after they really tried to push Joe Noteboom, the guy he was replacing (laughs) as the future and wasn't good as the future left tackle. It was like an Alaric Jackson's like an undrafted free agent, not in the CFL draft though. He was drafted in the CFL draft, but, um, (laughs) is an undrafted (laughs) NFL free agent. So like it's the Rams are in that point. Like this is, this is the bargain. They're, They're in the bargaining phase of like, Oh man, like we could still be in our window. We could still find some things. We just need Kyron Williams to come and save us. We just need uh, Lark Jackson to be the future at left tackle. It's like, well, this is what happens when you give up all your draft picks and you make some bad investments like along the way. Right. This is where we're at. Right. I, I was also really surprised at how many people added Van Jefferson. Like I thought he was an interesting flyer, but like there's there's no path to Van Jefferson being, you know, he can have a he can have big spike weeks, right? And if if the Rams were right now the sort of offense that like the Chiefs are and they were scoring 30 a game, yeah, we'd feel pretty good about a high variance receiver tied to the Rams, but that is not what they are right now. So the the likelihood of Van Jefferson giving us like a two touchdown game with 120 yards or whatever and yeah, that's the kind of guy that yeah. you just want to stick at wide receiver three. Like that's probably not going to happen. Um and there were really a lot of ads for him. He's pro- I'm sure he's going to be a drop last week coming off the zero. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, good, no good player. doesn't really change the outlook for Van Jefferson, but certainly not a number one or a number two. No, uh, you have Kenyon Drake on this list. Uh, Gus Edwards is day to day with his hamstring injury. Um, obviously, we know J.K. Dobbins is on IR as well. Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what to say about Kenyon Drake being like, <laughs> The, the, you know, three weeks ago, um, re- really good. And then when we actually hyped him, when we were like, yeah, you probably want to add Kenyon Drake, um, just an absolute zero and Gus Edwards blew up. And then of course on Thursday night, Kenyon Drake has a day, finds the end zone. Um, pretty, pretty good effort from him in the game in which Gus Edwards picked up a hamstring injury. So it's not, it's not terrible news on Edwards. The other thing about Baltimore is, um, you, you know, they've got a game coming up this week and then, and then a bye. So, like, Gus Edwards is going to have a long time to get better because they got the mini bye from the Thursday game, right? And then you figure he doesn't play in week nine, and then they have a bye week, and then Gus is going to be fine. Um, so Kenyon Drake is, is basically like a one week. Um, you can use him at New Orleans. New Orleans is obviously not quite the defense that we thought they would be this year. So I think I think he's a good play this week. He's not going to have the backfield to himself. 
Um, Justice Hill has looked pretty good at times, right? But, uh, and, and then again, Gus Edwards comes back. So Drake is, is sort of a, a one-week placeholder for you. Other guys on the list, um, I mentioned Pacheco already. I, I don't like... I don't have a ton of enthusiasm for him because he's a guy who's in a three-headed uh, committee, which we absolutely hate, right? We need, we need a, even in an offense like Kansas City's, we, we generally need a committee to get down to like two guys before we yes, can actually start him. Yeah. Um, but it was meaningful that he was playing a little bit more. And so he's, he's almost more of a stash for me than he is somebody that you can actually flex. Um, Latavius Murray is certainly worth a look, but Denver going into their bye, so he can't help you this week. But he did out-touch Melvin Gordon 15-12. to 12. Uh, They both score touchdowns, so no worries there. But, you know, Melvin is just barely clinging to fantasy value. It's not like it's not like Murray is like a passes-the-eye-test guy necessarily, but, man, coaches really like him, and he is falling into an awful lot of touches. Um, we talk about Rashad White all the time. He's a really good stash. Uh, it, we've justified this a million times before he's, he's yeah. playing a little bit. So if you really needed to, you could, you could flex him and hope, but the, the potential payoff with Rashad white is that if anything were to happen to Leonard Fournette, Rashad white is a, is a, is a very playable potential RB one. Uh, and then the other name that I, that I included in the rundown here was James cook only because, well, number one, I, Good game against the Packers. Yeah. Um, it had a lot to do with one catch, right? He had a 41-yard reception, but uh, goes over 70 total yards in the game, six touches. I thought it was notable that he was playing late in the game, like when it was sort of salt the game away time. Um, they did have James Cook on the field a little bit. It's not like he played a ton of snaps or anything. It was still in the teens. Um, but he was he was on the field in meaningful moments, and he made plays, and that was good to see. Yeah, 17 uh, air yards per target for old uh, James Cook there. 24 <laughs> yards after the catch per reception. I mean, um, that was it was interesting. Obviously, it was interesting uh, with the whole James Cook thing because I had him on the getting in early segment last week because uh, Zach Moss was right, a healthy right. scratch in that Kansas City game. And it, I do think like he's iced out Moss as the number two back here. Now, if anything w was to happen to Devin Singletary, I think it would be a two-man committee between James Cook and Zach Moss. But at this point, I'd imagine that James Cook would get the one a in that in that rotation or maybe just the pure one and then you know zach moss spells in a little bit but i don't know james cook looks like he's running a little bit better too he looks like he's a little bit more of like a confident i mean i'll never forget like that first game against the rams it was like oh boy oh man like i don't that that that's not great but total, total rookie you know, deer in headlights game yeah um total like, rookie deer in headlights yeah, yeah. He's he's pretty clearly adjusted to the speed of things, um, wrapped his head around the playbook, maybe. Um, but I, I like he looked great. Like he he looked really good. Limit again, limited action. Um, not somebody that you can necessarily stick in a lineup quite yet, but I, I agree no, with you. Yeah. I think it would be I think it would be Cook and Moss, uh, if anything were to happen to Singletary. Uh, the the other you, you know, the other thing there is that I don't think Buffalo ever necessarily sees James Cook as like a full workload guy. Like I can't, I can't, I'm not sure they originally saw Devin Singletary that way either. So it's, it's entirely possible that he could play his way into that. But just, just the way they spoke about him, like at the introductory press conference after he was drafted immediately, they, they spoke of him as like a third down, Hey, we want to throw to this guy. You know, we, we think down the road, we'll be throwing to this guy like 60 times a year, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't, I never had the read that they intended to give him 250 or 300 touches. No, definitely not. Um, but, you know, 
the main reason they drafted him was they wanted him to catch passes. Like that's why the whole, the weirdest feud in NFL history, the JD McKissick contract feud uh, happened between <laughs> Brandon Bean and like the Washington commanders front office or whatever. But the, they wanted that to be a part of the offense. And Josh Allen is throwing to running backs at a higher rate this year than yeah. ever before. Uh, so if again, if Devin Singletary is hurt, James Cook becomes that guy. So, yeah, I think he does make a sense. Like, as a, But, again, he's a stash. He's not a guy that you could play, really. Like, if you have to play if you have to play James Cook, your team's in a little bit of trouble that, at this point right now, yeah. unless there's a Devin Singletary injury. Uh, let's move on to wide receivers. Headlined by the great Rondell Moore. Um, people are already in my Discord like, we need an update on Rondell Moore. Uh, you know, what, uh, how's he looking from a route perspective? No, no. He, he looks the exact same. Okay. <laughs> I already did that this year. He's going to he's gonna look the exact same. He just is like, they didn't play him outside last week, okay, against Minnesota. Yeah. He was like a 50-plus percent slot guy, and he has to do that, okay? He's not a real wide receiver. I mean, he's a, he's a little bit more of a real slot receiver this year than he was last year. Last year, he's a pure fake receiver. But now, at least he's like, you can't throw him out there on the perimeter, but you could play him in the slot and have him do a few things. Yeah, well, he's like he's like a like a teacup version of a receiver, right? He's five seven. This is not a That's this is not a large it, yeah. human being. He is not an outside receiver. You're you're quite right about that. But he's also not like last year. Average depth of target was like a yard. And exactly, the, yeah. This year, it is you know it's not spectacular, but it is it is a more um, slot receiver ish like five to six yards uh, per target, which is totally acceptable. Guys coming off, like the other thing about him is he, he almost never comes off the field for Arizona. Um, yeah. play, played 30, I think it was 31 slot snaps this past week. Um, caught seven balls on eight targets, 90, 90 plus yards. Had a highlight touchdown that I don't, I don't know. I'm going to have to rewatch it a few times. I'm not, I'm not sure how much of it was just three bumbling Vikings defenders running into <laughs> each other and how much of it was Rondell Moore. I'm not, I'm yeah, not totally sure. But I think, but I mean, he's a really good player. And again, he's played at least like 86% of the snaps in every game. So it doesn't come off the field a lot. And Arizona uh, finds themselves behind a lot. Uh, so there's going to be plenty of balls in the air, plenty of volume. Um, and I think like, not this is obviously not a perfect player, but any sort of PPR, I think Rondell Moore is going to see a bunch of targets uh, rest of season. I like this whole list that I've put together here because it's... Hey, would it's, you, before before we move on though, would you like to guess his uh, air yards per target from week eight, Rondell Moore in this big breakout game? Oh no. Um I'm going to guess it was it like four and a half or something like that. 1.3. <laughs> okay. It's not ideal. That is that is actually exactly like last year. I don't know what Zaydot was last year. It was like 1.4 or 1.2 something like that. Yeah. That's I think it was just a I think it was like just a, a pure one or something like that. But yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, yeah, there we are. But yeah, but Robbie, like, not I don't know. Exactly take it up with the people there. who um, came up with PPR as a legitimate scoring nope. system. That wasn't me. <laughs> don't want. Yeah. Well, we also you can tweet at Andy about that. I'm not I'm not interested in like the the PPR debates <laughs> the, or, or the how, great like, PPR wars. Yeah. The scoring settings uh, discussion. I, I could not care less. I, I would rather talk about position eligibility. Uh, than than uh, than the <laughs> history of PPR or why we did it or what we need. I mean, every off season it feels like somebody comes up with some. And I'm I'm by the way I'm I'm laser focusing on like some friends of mine too. I mean, I know James Coe had like a whole thing about how to fix quarterback scoring. I'm like, geez, dude, go outside, bro. Like, I mean, come on, you're one of my closest <laughs> friends. Like, 
but come on, man. I mean, every offseason feels like somebody's like, here's how we fix fantasy scoring to make it like real life. It's not real football, okay? It's fantasy football. <laughs> the players that are good in fantasy aren't always good in real life and vice versa. That's, I mean, my God. Oh, uh, yeah, I feel like I've written a lot of the same stuff that James Coe has over the years. I, I do, <laughs> I do actually. I, I do have laser opinions. focusing have, at one of my friends. I was like, "This is I'm, I've got I'm coming back at you, pal." I have feelings about quarterback scoring. We don't have to go into it right now, but I have, that's more of an off season topic. But I definitely have feelings on that subject. I think Coe and I are in sync there. Oh well, you two can you know build a fort inside. You know, blankets, <laughs> pillows, the whole thing. <laughs> little you pillow two can talk fort. About that. Sure, a little pillow fort. Yeah, you you could do that. Um, James Coe actually seems like a, just a perfect person to build a pillow for with. I'd be happy to do it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I endorse James Coe as a pillow fort builder for for sure. Um, just he's just not going to be there on time. That's the one thing. I just don't <laughs> expect to start. Expect to start fifteen minutes late. And I love you, James, but expect to start fifteen minutes late, and you know it. So that's a, that's that. Um, before we go on a, a tangent about which fantasy writers we'd want to uh, build a f- pillow fort with, although that would make a hell of a podcast. Talk to you about the rest of the receivers on this list. I wouldn't want to do it with Rebar. He's a he's a big guy. He would be knocking over pillows. He seems a little clumsy. Um, oh, you wanted to talk about receivers? No, uh, no, no. Well, you know, I hey, whichever I, way you want to go, Andy. I, I got <laughs> I got a bunch of guys on this list that I don't like. I don't think they're Harmon favorites, and. Uh, they're not necessarily Barron's favorites either, but they're probably coming into a bunch of targets. Um, and I guess I'll start with Josh Palmer, <laughs> right? He's got he's got a <laughs> terrific matchup guy. coming up against Atlanta. Atlanta has been the most generous defense to opposing wideouts. It's just a really poor pass defense. I mean, you guys saw how regulation ended against the the Panthers. Like it is a vulnerable pass defense. Um, so they gave it up friend- to one of your other guys on the list who's not very good at football yes. either. <laughs> yes, right. Um, so. At, Absolutely um, terrific setup for Palmer. Um, no Mike Williams. He's dealing with a high ankle sprain. So bunch of targets available. We assume Palmer is finally back from the concussion. In his previous, you know, the last time we saw Palmer on the field, he drew 12 targets. Um, these are Justin Herbert targets. They're pretty good targets, and it's a fantastic matchup. I don't think he can screw this up. Maybe he screws it up, but I don't think he can screw this up. It's a great situation for him. So I think Palmer's a, a priority at the position. I think, you know, they're flawed players, but I think Rondell Moore and Josh Palmer are probably the priorities here. If you are in a league where Romeo Dobbs was dropped, he's got, and that's that's an awful lot of leagues. He's available in about uh, 55% of Yahoo leagues as we speak. He's got Detroit coming up, and that is obviously an excellent matchup as well. He is, he's probably the best thing the Packers have in the receiving core right now, at least until Alan Lazard comes back or they make a deal. Um, again, 62 yards and a touchdown against Buffalo. The the touchdown was was really of the highest quality. So uh, I, I think Dobbs is interesting in a in a wide receiver three-ish, flex-ish sort of way. And then I want to mention I want to mention the pair of Chiefs that that we sort of teased earlier when talking about Kadarius Tony. Um, Marquez Valdez Scantling is out there for for most of you, and he was. You could tell that there were an awful lot of people who were adding Kadarius Tony and probably dropping MVS, and mm-hmm. and maybe that's fine if you're just taking a flyer for late in the season. But I can almost guarantee that in the same way that we just saw McCole Hardman blow up, you know, before the Chiefs buy, there's there's a couple of blow up spots coming for MVS. I don't know when it's going to be, but he's got some friendly matchups ahead. He's got Tennessee, and then he's got Jacksonville. The guys, the guys, third on the on the Chiefs in targets right now. I think he's seen 38 targets on the season. His his a dot is over 12 yards, so he's seeing like deeper downfield, sort of high yield opportunities. 
Um, we like that. And the damn team is scoring 32 points a game. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity here. Like his quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. He's seeing a bunch of targets and they're downfield targets. So like that is an example of somebody that I would rather have on a roster than Kadarius Tony right now. I think there are definitely some mm. blow up spots coming. Um, Nicole Hardman, by the way, the guy who just had the multi-touchdown game is also widely available in Yahoo. And I think he's, he's not, I actually, uh, maybe this is weird because McCole Hardman has actually scored touchdowns this season, unlike MVS, but I, I think I would probably rather have MVS based on um, the the quality of the looks that they're seeing and, and what they're actually doing for the team right now. Like, I just think there's a couple of, like, MVS is going to finish the season with, like, five touchdowns, six touchdowns, something like that. I'd be surprised if he didn't. So there are big weeks coming up from him. You, uh, you, you sort of teased Terrace Marshall. I don't, I, this is not an endorsement of Terrace Marshall as a real life football player. Um, but last couple games, he's played over 80% of the snaps and he's coming off a game in which he was targeted nine times. And yeah, it was Atlanta. And so things are always going to look a little bit better when you're, when you're facing the Falcons. But, um, you know, there's a lot of targets and a lot of usage. Other than that, I sort of disavow this pickup, but some of you are in pretty deep leagues where Marshall is definitely available and he's interesting. Like, I don't know, I'm in a 20 team league. I'm in a few 16 team leagues and Marshall is of interest to me there. Last name I'll throw out is uh, Garrett Wilson because he dipped below the 50% threshold, understandably, because it, times have been a, a little lean. Times have been rough uh, since uh, Zach yeah. Wilson took the took the reins. They're still rough, oh. I think. Even though he's coming off 115 receiving yards, that was good to see. He's a very good player. That's the end of the hype here because I think Zach Wilson is kind of a, a just a big mess right now, <laughs> right? Like, and they've got Buffalo coming up. It's not a great matchup, but then they got a buy on the back end of that. So I don't, I don't know that I'll actually be looking to plug Garrett Wilson into any lineups. But uh, man, he's he's good. A different quarterback could really turn him into a thing. A hundred percent true. Yeah, he's really good. And I mean, it's just the Zach Wilson thing. Uh, Terrace Marshall, just to circle back on that. The one thing I think that is different between this year and last year is, I mean, there's a lot, right? From an infrastructure standpoint, there's no more Matt Rule. But um, Terrace Marshall is playing on the outside 87.3% of his snaps. They sort of kind of wanted to make him a big slot receiver last yeah, year. Yeah. And he just he can't do that because he can't really separate. He's not a good route runner. I mean, he has some of the worst reception perception scores against man and zone and, and press coverage uh, and all the coverages uh, <laughs> from his rookie <laughs> season. But the thing coming into the NFL is like he wasn't a complete good route runner either, but it's like you could get him to run slants and goes and throw it up to him in contested situations on the outside. But you're going to want that from your outside receiver, not your big slot receiver. And, you know, in the meantime, they've had DJ Moore line up inside on 37% of his snaps. And then the other stuff is like shy Smith and LaVisca Chenault or whatever. But, um, that's great for DJ Moore, and it's it's good for it's good for Terrace Marshall. So um yeah. I've definitely bagged on Marshall a lot, although I liked him coming into the NFL, but it's just his rookie season was so bad. But the usage there is is pretty decent. Yeah, hard to argue with the usage. And again, he's like you don't need to mess around with Terrace Marshall in a 12-team league, um, no, no yeah. matter where the targets are. Like I just said, there's obviously there's not a lot of upside to the offense. Feels like there is coming off this past week, but I, I feel like that's probably a mirage. This is just for you sickos out there in the yes. in the crazy leagues. And I'm in a lot of those, so I'm going to be like, okay, Terrace Marshall. Uh, all right, let's move on to quarterback here. No no real – I mean, there's only one real luminary here, and it's your boy, Justin Fields. Yeah, there there is one right answer if he happens to be available on the waiver wire this week, and it's Justin Fields. Um, I'm And uh, plenty of problems associated with the Bears offense, no question about it. It's, it's 
like it's it's I don't know. We've called Rondell Moore a fake receiver. Um, this is kind of a fake receiving core generally. Um, it is yes. a, it is a bunch of castoffs. It's a bunch of guys that have that have worn out their welcomes elsewhere. Um, there's not a ton of talent here. Darnell Mooney is is fun. He's fine. Um, but uh, I mean, we're just he should probably not be any team's number one receiver. Um, that's an issue. Uh, the offensive line, the pass blocking, also an issue. I mean, there have been plenty of times this season where I, I don't think any quarter, like the the O-line was just caved in immediately at the snap of the football, and I don't think there's a quarterback in the game that um, that wouldn't have been sacked. But Justin Fields, right? I'm just getting all the bad stuff out of the way at the top. Um, sure, yeah, ju- yeah, yeah. Justin Fields, You're exercising right now, your own demons, and that's perfectly fine. I, I really am. He's... This is kind of amazing to me. Like Fields is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, and he doesn't have a game with more than 27 pass attempts. Like he's not even dropping back very often, and he leads the NFL in sacks. That is that is pretty wild to me. Um, so plenty of issues here. But the good stuff, uh, the guy, the guy, if he just stays healthy, is going to run for 900 yards. Like that's the pace he's on. You can't screw that up from a from a fantasy perspective. Like he is a gifted runner. They're designing runs for him now, which is really exciting. Like there, there are many more opportunities, and this is a you know, as bad as the pass blocking has been, the run blocking has been pretty, pretty good. Um, we've got the Bears are supporting two viable starters at running back right now, fringy starters, but starters. Mm-hmm. And Justin Fields has been fantastic. Like you know, he's piling up like eighty yard rushing efforts, sixty yards this past week, and he's not. He's not doing a ton as a passer. Again, he doesn't have a lot to work with, but he's given you a touchdown every week. Um, the volume has come up a little bit from like, you know, at start of the season, they were basically throwing at the rate that a team might have thrown in like 1975. And now they're at least up to like 1988, 1986, somewhere in there, right? Like it's a little bit better. It's it's maybe it's 20 plus pass attempts per game. That's something. Um, and Fields has just looked really good. So he's, you know, he's like a he's like a top five, top six fantasy quarterback if we go back five weeks. So the recent results have been very good. And then he's got Miami coming up. Um, generous defense that just gave up a zillion points to Detroit. And then he's got Detroit, another generous defense. And then he's got Atlanta, which is just a comically bad pass defense. So uh, a layup line of opponents, and he's been playing really well. So I think he is he is very different from any other quarterback who is likely to be out there on the on the wire. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that Darnell Mooney, after the game, uh, you know, talked about the toughness of Justin Fields. He said, quote, he's got to stop taking hits. I love him. He's a tough guy, but I don't need him to be a tough guy anymore. Just get out of bounds or something because we're going to need him. Yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah, for, for sure, dude. But he definitely has to keep running like uh, he, he has to get a little bit better about not getting crushed, but um, which is a skill. You know, guys like Kyler Murray, you know, who does get hurt, but like he rarely ever takes like a obliterating hit. Like, you know, Lamar Jackson. Really I, takes Lamar like never takes a yeah. just absolutely never gets crushed. Yeah. But yeah, he's like he's got to keep running. So it is a little interesting there. Your other guys on the list, not nearly as exciting uh, as just. Yeah. Lee, and uh, the only other two names on the list are just for, Lee, you know, uh, Fields, I think, is is 40 percent rostered right now. So if he's gone in your league and he's going to be gone in many leagues, um, Marcus Mariota. Can I interest you in Marcus Mariota? He's coming off an okay day. Um, 253 yards, three touchdowns. Probably not going to have a whole lot of those because the prior week, you'll remember, uh, in a game in which they were never really competitive, he only threw the ball 13 times. Um, so they hide him a lot. 
Um, but he's got a little bit of rushing upside, 43 rushing yards this past week, and we've seen better efforts than that. So Mariota, interesting. He's going to play the Chargers. Not a great defense. A terrible run defense, kind of a middling pass defense. So um, he, he's a reasonable spot starter if he can't get fields. And also, like, kind of shout out to Andy Dalton here. He, it's not always pretty, but he's passed yeah. for, he's got six passing touchdowns in his last two games. And he doesn't even have Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry, uh, like the receiving core there and anything special. But he, he's at least feeding Alvin Kamara, right? Um, that's good to see because Kamara last year and then the early part of this year was just not getting peppered with targets the way he had been with Drew Brees. And Andy Dalton has kind of fixed that problem. So that's good to see. Again, Olave is great. We've talked about Olave several times. Um, so he's got some weapons. He knows how to use them. Yes, he's going to turn the ball over a few times, but that's not usually, uh, you know, the penalties for that in fantasy, as James Coe would probably tell you, are not severe. Um, <laughs> not severe probably, enough. You figure that out in the fourth, though, this offseason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, well, oh, man, we're going to have the flashlights under there. We're going to be, like, scribbling on the on the legal pad together. It's going to be great. Can't wait for it. Um, and he's got a friendly matchup coming up with, uh, with the Ravens. They rank 28th against the pass. So it should be another decent week for Andy Dalton. All right, let's move to the tight end where you give us your weekly Evan Ingram propaganda. I have real enthusiasm for tight ends this week. Like it was kind of fake enthusiasm for the wide receivers. I don't know that I'm going to be placing big bids there. Um, but I have real enthusiasm for these tight ends. Like I'm, I'm quite happy that Evan Ingram found the end zone because that guy has seen a ton of targets. And there's just not that many tight ends out there that are being fed, right? Like most of these guys outside of Andrews, Kelsey, and Joku when he was healthy, you know, totally touchdown dependent. And um, it's, it's not like it's not like Ingram is tied to a fully finished, you know, elite quarterback or anything like that. But man, that guy's seen 29 targets in his last four games, which is which is great to see. There's just not that many tight ends who are seeing seven targets per game. That's where he's at. Um, he's got the Raiders coming up. They are among the most generous defenses to opposing tight ends, if you care about things like that. Um, and he finally found the end zone this past week. So that was good to see as well. Uh, I, I would imagine that Evan Ingram can finish this season with like five or six touchdowns. Um, that would not be a surprise to me. There was a lot of buzz throughout camp, throughout the preseason about the connection that he had with Lawrence. And Lawrence is seeking him out pretty regularly. Like, you should expect six to ten targets a week from Evan Ingram. Um, that's what he's been doing. So it was great to see him. Uh, finally find the end zone. Like he's a thing. He's going to finish as a top 10 fantasy tight end this season. And we mentioned Isaiah likely earlier. I, I gotta believe he's again behind Mark Andrews. He, he looks quite often like he might be the second most dangerous receiver on that team when Rashad Bateman isn't on the field. Um, he was just fantastic against Tampa. Um, there, I, I don't want to downplay it. Six catches, 77 yards, yeah, so good. touchdown, huge touchdown. Um, and it, like, again, Baltimore is just totally running out of healthy skill players. So I can't imagine that they want, even, even with Mark Andrews, presumably returning, I can't imagine that Isaiah likely isn't going to have a pretty significant role against the saints. So I'm excited about him. Greg Dulcich, a guy that you have talked about extensively, uh, a, another fine game for him. It was it was weird because most of we finished with 87 yards against the Jaguars. Um, I, I feel like almost all of it was on one drive, um, and he yeah. didn't do a whole lot outside of that. But the prior week, nine targets. The week before that, a touchdown. Um, he's really coming off the field like he's clearly the dominant tight end for Denver right now. Can't play him this week because they're on bye. But once he comes back, I think he's probably somebody that I'm going to be ranking within the, the top 10, 12 uh, tight ends rest of season. 
Final name I feel like we have to talk about, um, and he shares the Zach Wilson problem, is Tyler Conklin, because he just saw 10 targets, caught a couple of touchdowns. There was some buzz during the summer about the Conklin-Wilson magic. Um, I don't want to tie myself <laughs> yeah. to Zach Wilson, but I feel like I have to mention him. Again, Conklin has the problem that Garrett Wilson does, which is that it's Buffalo coming up and then it's a bye. So I don't know. Do you, do you really want to? You're not going to use him in two weeks, and I'm not sure you want to use him against Buffalo. So that that seems a little dicey. It definitely seems dicey because of that reason. But yeah, he's worth mentioning. And, you know, if they're going to ice their best receiver uh, or one of their two <laughs> best receivers, I guess that their their tight end, their veteran tight end, you know, will get super involved in the offense. Although they obviously don't want to be passing as much as they had to pass against New England because they clearly want to take the ball out of Zach yeah. Wilson's hands. But speaking of that, let's move on to our drops here, Andy. I'll, I'll get us started because I just mentioned Elijah Moore. Like if Elijah Moore is not traded, and I still don't think he's going to get traded. You can go ahead and just drop him. Like, And he's still about 40% rostered, something like that. I love Elijah Moore, believe in the player, um, but he's not playing. You know, it's as simple as that. Like, you can't roster guys. You can't roster guys because you're not even stashing at that point. Like, oh, what if he, what if Zach Wilson just magically gets better? This connection, which, yeah. does, as he said, I don't know anything about that. I don't get the ball. Uh, you know, you can't <laughs> do that, right? Like, so you can just keep, um, you can just keep moving Elijah Moore. Like if he doesn't get traded, you know, if he's not on the Ravens, if he's not on the Packers or he's not on literally any other team in the NFL, by the time the trade line goes, you can just go ahead and drop Elijah Moore. And it sucks. By the way, it also sucks that, wow, Denzel Mims is finally playing right now. It's like, oh yeah, but they had to put another, they had to put another guy in the hole to make that happen. Yeah, this is, this is brutal. I've got four leagues in which I'm about to drop Elijah Moore. I've, you know, he's the, he's the drop on a whole bunch of waiver claims this week. And I've just, you got to throw in the towel at some point because you can't trade him. You can't start him. There's six teams on by. Everybody's got a bunch of holes to fill this week and nobody wants to fill them with Elijah Moore. It, uh, the whole situation just sucks. I, we can hope for a trade, but he's exactly the sort of player that the Jets should be holding right now. So, yeah. I, so I doubt we'll see it. Um, no, it's just a weird situation. It doesn't, it doesn't reflect well on him that it's come to this, right? And that he's been so no, yeah. public with his displeasure. But I do understand his displeasure. Yeah, I understand the frustration, but probably should have just probably should have just kept that in house. Like, I think that's probably the best thing that um, could have done from it. I'll give you one more drop just in case uh, Elijah Moore is traded. Robert Woods, 59 percent of you people out there are holding on to Robert Woods enough already. OK, stop. Like, I mean, we can just talk. I'm going to talk about this every single week until 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 this podcast ends, until the damn season ends or you people get your get your stuff together. And Robert Woods is not on 59 yeah. percent of the rosters on Yahoo right now. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's really wild. And I, I feel like maybe we're at a point where a lot of those rosters are just like deadbeat teams where it just hasn't Probably, gone yeah. well because they're, you know, you're the team that drafted Robert, Robert Woods. Woods. It hasn't worked <laughs> out. Yeah, and you, you probably walked away at some point in, in the middle of October. He's just going to sit there and his roster percentage is going to be annoyingly high for the rest of the season. Uh, my my guy here, um, and I, I, I wholeheartedly endorse uh, both of your both of your drops. My guy here is uh, is Chase Edmonds, who we may have talked oh, about yeah. in this segment before, but I he's another one where he's he's still 56 percent rostered like his the snap counts, the yardage totals consistently in the teens, like week in and week out. He is playing like 15 snaps and giving you 16 yards. And there there were a couple of magic moments uh, weeks ago when he was mysteriously getting the ball at the goal line and then barely playing the rest of the game. And so there was a little bit of, you know, sort of touchdown deodorant to his day, but um, it's not happening anymore. He is no kind of answer for your fantasy team. He's barely relevant to the Dolphins right now. 
he doesn't, you know, we've seen what it looks like. They tried to feed him in the early weeks of the season and it wasn't great. So like, he doesn't really have contingent value. Um, I'm sure this is another case where there's just a lot of deadbeat teams that aren't going to drop yeah. Chase Edmonds because they've walked away. But everybody, like anybody who's still clinging to the idea that Chase Edmonds could have value in December, I don't know. That that seems, that seems yeah. highly unlikely. The best way to put it is that I have no confidence that even if Raheem Mostert went down, that he would be like the direct replacement. Like they might get right. any, any of these other goofballs involved or whatever. So yeah, not not a lot of enthusiasm there. Um, let's move on to hold on loosely. You've got Drake London, who I'm pretty sure was mine last week. So that's where we're at with Drake London. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just wanted to mention him because this is another guy that I've got. You know, I'm not sure if I actually have him in leagues with Elijah Moore, but I'm like I'm real close to dropping him. Um, He's you can't start him even even in a even in a rare week when Marcus Mariota was passing the ball a bunch. It was a pretty quiet week for Drake London. So like five, six targets didn't really do him any good. I'm going to give him another shot against the Chargers. I there are some leagues where I'm going to have to play him because, again, six teams on by. We've all got problems this week, Um, but it hasn't been good. He's basically producing these Kyle Pitts like lines without, you know, the, the real spike weeks. So it's very close. We know that this is a team that their ideal game script is we throw the ball, you know, 16 times and we run the ball 35 times and we squeak out a win. Um, so there's just, there's not a lot of upside to the passing game. Generally, I, I don't have a lot of hope, even if they do make a quarterback change, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of hope yeah. that any of this changes. So it's really tough. I'm going to give him one more week because it's so messy out there. But then that's it. If he doesn't, if I if I don't get a little something, if we have good signs of life this week, I'm going to have to move on in everything but Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, the future is so bright for Drake London and Kyle yeah. Pitts too, because I'm still going to say this, like this offense is really well designed and like they have plays where they do score scheme things up for Kyle Pitts and they scheme things up for Drake London. It's just their quarterback is Marcus Mariota, bro. And like, yep. um, I thought uh, Robert Mays on the athletic podcast made a good point this uh, on their recap show. I listened to it this morning that like, it is funny that we're all sitting here like Kyle Pitts needs to be more involved. You know, uh, Drake London needs to be more involved. They need to throw the ball more. They threw the ball so much last year and they were the <laughs> worst offense in the NFL. <laughs> and like yeah. this year, they're actually pretty good offense. So I know it's a problem for fantasy, but like the future is really bright for these two players. But, you know, it just is what it is right now uh, for for the way the, it's going to go with these guys. Like again, Marcus Mario is our quarterback. Come on, give me a break. Uh, my guy is Wandale Robinson, who's rostered in 52% of leagues. Um, really disappointing result. Uh, last week, but all the peripherals are still there. Um, you know, that was just a game where, you know, I'll give a lot of credit to the Seahawks defense where we talked about him, you know, with Scott on the recap show. Like, I think that defense is, is sort of kind of coming around. Uh, I think mm-hmm. some of the guys, the younger guys are playing well. Like, we got to sort of adjust our priors that they're not just like a total deadbeat defense. But Wandale Robinson, 84.6% uh, routes per drop back. Uh, you know, he was. 84% slot receiver. Like he has the role that we want. Uh, they, again, the results just weren't there, but I would still keep him around as a potential like wide receiver fill in for the bye weeks. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good call electric player. Um, and, and the playing time was just fine. Um, it was more than anything. I think it was a reminder of what the, what the floor is for any receiver tied to that offense. And it's nothing right. Like any of the, <laughs> like any of those guys, I, you know, somebody might get traded there could be a star, their, their floor in any given week is going to be nothing. Like it's not a, yeah. you know, that's life with Daniel Jones and a Saquon focused offense. 
Yeah, the great way to say it is that the floor is just it doesn't exist uh, in this particular league um, or this, on this particular team. Uh, getting in early, Andy, uh, I've got two guys from Nico Collins and playing it. But like if you watch that Texans and Titans game and thought, I got to get piece of this for fantasy. I've got I got a guy from a Texans <laughs> and I got a guy <laughs> on the Titans. <laughs> Nico Collins, you know, didn't play last week. I don't know when he's going to come back. But, you know, there's all these rumors about Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has been, you know, like, we'll see. Maybe he doesn't get traded, but I still don't think he's like a feature point of this offense at this point anymore. Nico Collins was playing really well before that injury, 15% rostered. I would get him. And even if he doesn't play this week, I just stick him on the bench. And I think he's got a good shot to, to get a little bit better as the season goes on. And Dontrell Hilliard, like he, I think might fit into the stash running back group, even if yeah. he's like, maybe it's Hassan Haskins gets in there and is like a banger back for Derrick Henry. If God forbid ever Derrick Henry ever got hurt, but Hilliard at least has some like, what the heck super super what the heck flex appeal and also obviously as a stash guy as well yeah my my guy here and i'm not listen the only reason i'm going to talk about jalen warren is that i keep talking about rashad white um and i i you know i i i don't know how many weeks in a row am i going to talk about the same guy as a as a getting in early (laughs) um but jalen warren at least shows signs of life and it is it is bad for Najee Harris right now. Like he is, he's about as inefficient as a starting running back can be. Again, I feel like we've, we've discussed him a few times. I hope that the issue is just like a lingering foot thing and he, he's going to be a different player next year because it's been bad. And it's also one of those situations where with, you know, he's got that super patient style, right? A little bit of dancing behind the line of scrimmage. And when holes just don't open, that that is a terrible look and it leads to terrible results. And so uh, Najee has been one of the least uh, efficient players in, in terms of per touch effectiveness uh, this entire season. It's not getting any better. Coming off a really rough week against a good Philadelphia defense, Warren was pretty lively. And Warren at least just gets north and south, right? Like he'll just get the yards that are there. Um, I don't know that he's a super inventive player necessarily, but um, the yards that are blocked, he will get for you. And (laughs) that has not always been the case with Najee this year. So I feel like, you know, this hasn't been a version of the Pittsburgh offense where Najee is just on the field 90% of the time, like he was for so much of last season. And and I think as the year goes on, just based on his disappointing production, we're going to see a little bit more Warren. And of course, if anything were to happen to Najee, then Warren would fall into a pretty significant workload. And I don't think he would screw that up. I think he'd be a, a pretty interesting player. I can't talk about Steelers offense anymore because it's Fair. the worst. It's the worst uh, designed offense in the NFL. It's blindingly bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's blindingly bad. And you can tell who watches film and who doesn't based on how they talk about the Steelers offense or any of the players involved in it. And I'll just I'll just say that I'll leave it there. Um, all right. Uh, let's end the podcast here with our update on the Treviso Babes League. My mom is playing fantasy football for the first time ever. If you've missed it, it's a wild league. But I'll say this, Andy. There are very, very few crazy drops at this point anymore. Honestly, the drops have have calmed down. I mean, you know, I'm looking at the most recent ones. Your boy Evan Ingram uh, was dropped, uh, but like, you know. Outrageous. (laughs) Jacoby Brissett, Hayden Hurst, Josh Reynolds, you know, the normal names that are getting dropped at fantasy. Damian Harris, a little fringy there, but we did have one crazy drop leading into last week. It's a, I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's a kind of young, definitely star wide receiver. Oh, well, that sounds like Bayless Jones. He's kind of wow. young. <laughs> <laughs> this guy might be this. Uh, this guy might be the same age as, as Bayless Jones. So. 
So kind of young and definitely a star. Oh, that's a that's a tough one. It can't be um, like somebody from the Gabe Davis range, but it's not Gabe Davis. This player is, by the way, younger than Bayless Jones, but was drafted quite a <laughs> much, much longer ago than rookie Bayless Jones is. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that going around. Second um, contract receiver, second contract receiver. Let's put it that way. Oh, gosh. Um Wow. And second contract receiver who's younger than Valus Jones. That's hilarious. Well, uh, is it, a lot is of it Juju's not actually younger than Valus Jones, is he? They're like the same age. I don't know. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, Lord Podcast on the side guest, Mike Williams. It's not Mike Williams is not uh, younger than uh, Valus Jones. It's also not Mike Williams. Um, Juju also is 25. He'll turn 26 in November. Is it um, so he's about Moore? the same age. No, he's about the same age, by the way. Juju Bayless Jones. They're both 25 years old. Um, although, geez, Juju will be 26 before, obviously. Uh, it's DK Metcalf, by the way. It's uh, the answer. Oh, uh, okay. Metcalf. Okay. I almost forgive this because it certainly, you know, if they happen to be watching when that injury happened, it looked like it was going to be a significant injury, right? He was, he was carted, and then we all had the DK Metcalf uh, 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 poop cart jokes, and then it was—it seemed like it was going to be something pretty serious. Um, uh, felt miraculous that he was actually able to play in Week Eight, uh, and then of course he goes out and scores a touchdown. So I'm like, I kind of get why this happened. Like, if you were preparing yourself for like a four-week absence from DK Metcalf, um, justifiable in a in a it was a it was a thursday it was a thursday drop and based on the i'm looking who was added this is just hilarious that this was who was added they added julio jenny jenny's um jenny's crazy team uh (laughs) no no excuse me no this is my mom's good friend leslie i know leslie uh i'm familiar with her she uh dropped dk metcalf and added julio jones um so you know thursday at that point it was like wow yeah, yeah. Hey, Julio Jones got a touchdown though. So if, if Leslie needed like an emergency start, I mean, Leslie's team is good too, by the way. She's she's kind of crushing this league right now. So shout out to Leslie for that one. Um, but yeah, DK Metcalf dropped for Julio Jones. Um, maybe Leslie listened to the podcast, was like, Yeah, those boys are right. You can't trust anything Pete Carroll says about a damn injury. Let me just go ahead and drop this guy. I would have expected this from Ginny, but um, I'm frankly I'm shocked that Leslie did this. Yeah, I agree. Um, definitely, you know, this was a this was a Ginny move. This is a this was certainly a Tammy move. So Ginny. On, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, Tammy. By the way, Tammy really wants the record corrected about her about her Antonio Brown ad, which who's no longer on her roster. But you know, I mean, it happened. It still happened. We can't just we can't just forget that. We can't just forgive that. That is a thing um, that happened. Okay, so yeah, this uh, league's getting interesting, man. Um, you know, my mom needs a real slow Joe Mixon game tonight in order to win uh, and go to five and three. So we'll see what happens. But that is going to do it for us. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons if you don't already. If you don't already, I mean, come on, what are you doing? You you follow Yahoo stuff and you don't follow Andy Barons? Give me a break. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there. Make yourself a better fantasy player and improve your timeline by following at Yahoo Fantasy. You will not regret it. That's a guarantee. Austin Eckler, ever heard of him, will be back off his bye week tomorrow, and we'll find out um, what's going on with him on a new episode of Eckler's Edge. Until then, we're out.